Today is Thursday, January 4th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The first batch of documents in the Epstein case have been unsealed. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and send us your thoughts or say hello. Email quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the cray, Billy Hallowell on this Friday, Junior. What's up, Billy? Boy, what a what a wild news week. All right? yeah. It's like the first week back and everything reignited. Yep, we've got uh, these Epstein documents that have been unsealed. We'll cover that a little bit coming up here. Also, a former terrorist is predicting a massive move of God in Gaza. We'll have that on the Focus story. And Billy, you caught up with actress and producer Roma Downey for the main thing. Yeah, you know, really always interesting to talk with her about the projects she has going on, but went really deep into her childhood, loss, and the power of prayer. All right, looking forward to all of that and more. First, we are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And the first batch of what's expected to be hundreds of sealed court filings related to the late sex offender Jeffrey Epstein were made public yesterday. Virginia Jufre, a victim of Epstein, is suing um, Ghislaine Maxwell, who is an Epstein associate, in a case that was brought back in 2015 when Epstein's uh, associate Maxwell branded Jufre a liar over her claim that she was sexually abused as a minor. Maxwell serving a 20-year prison sentence for recruiting underage girls for Epstein. In the newly unsealed material, lawyers sought to depose Bill Clinton, saying he was a key person who could provide information about his close relationship with Epstein. The U.S. District Judge ruled last month there wasn't any legal justification for continuing to conceal more than 150 names of John and Jane Doe's that were mentioned in the records and those unsealings were slated to begin in the new year and this was the first batch that was released additional associates of epstein's including prince andrew donald trump and late governor bill richardson are also mentioned in the documents there's some new names on the list including magician david copperfield and many of the names mentioned in the documents including clinton trump and others aren't accused of doing anything illegal there are expected to be several more releases in the coming days. Those are just some of today's top stories. You can read more over at cbnnews.com. And so, Billy, this this is this is just a big mess. This whole thing. Uh, the, this all started back in 2015, as I mentioned. And you know, the Epstein list. This was just a massive. It it was waiting. People were waiting with bated breath for these names. A lot of the names we knew were kind of on there. And again, it doesn't mean they did anything illegal, but you know, you just it makes you wonder exactly uh, what happened here. And I don't know that we'll ever know the full truth, but I mean, clearly with Epstein's activities, his quote unquote suicide in prison, and the things that were going on there, it's just a whole big mess. Yeah, it's a whole big mess, and I think it's important to remember what you just said. We we don't know, you know, just because your name is on there doesn't make you guilty. One of the things that is interesting is, so far from what's been released, you know, allegedly 
most of these things or all of these things were already known in some form, at least in these, in these documents from other media reports, things that have been out there, but there are other documents to come, you know? And so I, I don't know what will be in those, who knows what that, what that will look like, but this certainly is going to open up quite a bit of chaos and speculation. And, you know, whether you did something or did not your name being, in those documents is going to raise eyebrows, right? So it's kind of the last thing you want to happen, you know, especially if you're innocent of anything for your name to emerge in these docs. Right. And this all centers around these young victims of who, who are claiming that they were sexually abused as minors in the presence of Epstein by Epstein, by others that were potentially involved in some of these activities. And look, we're coming off the me too movement and in the wake of that, it was, hey, believe all women, believe what they say. Now, I think that's a faulty mantra because you have to take each case on the merits. You can't just believe something because it's said by a woman. That's ridiculous, obviously. But it, the the double standard here is, you know, kind of glaring when all of a sudden these names appear on the list. And now it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't believe everything they're saying. So uh, like we always do on this podcast, we would advise you, hey, we're looking at this. We're going to take it slow. We're going to see what the information is. And we're not going to jump to conclusions and we're going to see what happens. And so, so far we have some names on these lists. They're in, the, they were in uh, accused of being around in some capacity, not necessarily doing anything illegal yet, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what, what happens here in the coming days and weeks. Uh, with these more documents that are expected to be released here very soon. All right, we are going to head over to the focus story now. And there's a former terrorist predicting an incredible move of God in Gaza. And what's his, what's the backstory here? Yeah, this is interesting. This is 73-year-old Taser Abu Sada, and he is a former member of the Fatah terrorist group. Uh, he recently sat down with Joel Rosenberg, and he was talking with him about what he believes is going to happen. You know, right now we're watching all this chaos in the Middle East and the war that is going on um, after Hamas's terror attack on Israel on October 7th. And what um, Sada said is that he believes the war is actually going to lead a lot of people in Gaza to feel so hopeless and abandoned and lied to by Hamas that there is going to be a massive turn, in his view, from Islam toward Christianity. Um, Here's what he said. He said, quote, Hamas is an ideology that is spreading among many people, not only in the Gaza Strip, but all over the world. He said, however, God has a plan, and I believe the Arabs and the Jews' plan is also part of that, and that is where my hope is. Um, He said he's back in the Holy Land himself to watch God move in the Gaza Strip. He's trying to help, you know, rebuild there. Um, But again, he said with all of this destruction, with everything that has happened and all the hardship that the Palestinians have gone through, that you can't just sit back and say, you know, oh, you know, Hamas didn't do anything wrong here. You're going to start asking why. And once people start asking why, he said he thinks God is going to be doing a lot of work there. And he said for himself that he wants to be a part of that. Uh, so really, really interesting prediction that maybe a lot of people haven't thought about in the midst of all this. Right. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, the war between Hamas and Israel is still raging right now. Did he weigh in on that at all? Yeah, I mean, he really spoke mostly about 
his backstory, right, and where he came from, which I, I do want to mention because this is interesting, right? Whenever you hear from somebody who's a former terrorist, when you hear that term, you're thinking, oh, my gosh. Right, yeah. You know, what the, the perspective that he's coming from, somebody who hated the Jewish people, right, who, you know, had this change of heart. Um, he was actually born in Gaza and, you know, talked about having this rage toward Jewish Israelis. And a lot of that stemmed after the Six-Day War in 1967. Um, his family had moved to Saudi Arabia and Qatar when he was really young. Um, but he, he ended up running away, joining Fatah, um, this terror group, and fighting to support Yasser Arafat, which mm. is so crazy. Um, but he said after the Six-Day War, he felt he was having a nervous breakdown and his hatred just grew and grew. Um, and this is a past testimony that he shared, uh, but really just interesting. He said he didn't he didn't understand how he you know the Arabs could be losing so many wars against <laughs> Israel. They were bigger than Israel in their numbers, and so eventually, though um, that hatred was was squelched. He came to America and um, met a Christian woman, and he got married to an American woman. He met a Christian who led him to faith, and he found himself praying one day for the Jews and he just had a total change of heart. And so, um, yeah, he had lots to say about the current war and, you know, really again, predicting that he thinks there's going to be this massive turn to faith and truth. That is very interesting indeed. And of course I hope that's true. I hope that plays out and we see a big move of God. And, um, as often we do in, in that area, in times of conflict, we see in the Middle East many stories that CBN has reported on, including dreams and visions that God moves in a mighty way in the midst of that where you would least expect it at times. And so, um, of course, we hope that that's the case. And I do find it interesting, as he mentioned there, Billy, you look at Israel and there's no logical reason how Israel should have survived all of these onslaughts that have happened over the years. You have all of these countries, many of them Arab countries that want to see Israel wiped off the map. And it's this tiny country, the size of about New Jersey and it's managed to survive. And it just, you, it leaves you wondering if you're not a Christian and you're not a believer in God, you have to be scratching your head going, wait a minute. And that sounds exactly what he did. Well, yeah, I mean, look at look at Pharaoh and the Egyptians chasing after them and, you know, right. the waters parting, right? I mean, it's like this is the history of the Jewish people again and again and again, and I think it's remarkable to watch happen again in real time. Yeah, absolutely, and, of course, we definitely are praying for a move of God always in all circumstances, and this case is, is no different, but I appreciate you bringing this one to the podcast today, Billy. All right, we are going to head over to the main thing now. And Roma Downey, as we are mentioning at the top of the show here, is an actress and producer, and she talked with Billy about how her faith has guided her through the most tragic moment in her life and why she believes in the power of prayer and more. That's today's main thing. Roma, you have an incredible new children's book, A Message in the Moon. And I know there's a really powerful story behind this book, the roots that were set for you to write it. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Billy, this story for this book has sat in my heart for a really long time. You know, um, 
as people may know, my mother died when I was just a little girl. I was only 10. And so my relationship with my father was especially close because he became a single parent to me and he was a great dad. Uh, and now you fast forward about seven or eight years and I'm getting ready to leave Ireland to go to university in England. And I'm anxious about leaving my dad. And, you know, it's back in the day before there was a cell phone, if you can imagine such a thing. <laughs> And uh, and so dad took me outside into the, the garden and he pointed to the moon and he said, you know, wherever you are in the world, Roma, you don't need to feel anxious or alone because it's the same moon that will be shining down on us. And wherever you are, wherever you go, I'm going to leave a message in the moon for you. And so, you know, I took great comfort when I'd be walking home from college back to my lodging house and I'd glance up and I'd see the moon and I would pick up the message from my dad and I would know that my dad loved me and cared for me. And um, uh, unfortunately, my dad passed away while I was in college and I was very anxious and nervous about looking at the moon, sure that it would be empty of his loving messages, but I needn't have worried, Billy, because to this day, all these years later, my father still leaves me messages in the moon. He's just leaving them from the other side of the moon. Anyway, so this story has been sitting and growing and tugging at my heart for all these years. And, um, and I kept thinking, you know, there must be a nugget in this story that would make a beautiful and powerful story for young children, particularly children perhaps who are anxious about any kind of separation. If mom's going off to work or if grandma's moving across the country, your best friend doesn't live here anymore. All the myriad of reasons perhaps that a young child might feel some anxiety that we could use the moon as this central source, this light source uh, to shine down love and reassurance into into the the kids you know into the kids heart into the kids life and so that's what i created here with holly hayden who i have to give a shout out to who did these beautiful illustrations for a message in the moon and um it just came out uh, last month it's doing very well i'm happy to say and people are starting to buy it now for as a christmas gift for their children or for their grandchildren or for some little kid down the street. But, um, you know, and for me, it just was a lovely way to honor my daddy, you know, all these years later. And, um, you know, my kids, as, as they've grown up, knowing this story firsthand, um, you know, Riley, my daughter, she could be, you know, she could be traveling for work or she's on a vacation or something and I'll get a text where she'll send me a photograph of the moon and she'll say, mom, look up, I left you a message. And so we kind of use it as a sweet connector. And, you know, I, I mention in the book, Billy, that a reminder that the moon has no light source because the moon is only a reflection of the sun's light. But um, imagine if all the you know, the things the moon absorbed was love. And then the moon did what, what the moon does and just reflect all that love back to the planet. Yeah. Well, there's something yeah. in that I find very touching. 
That's that's incredible. And you know, just going back to what you were saying about your dad, <clears throat> I mean, he must have been a really incredible person, you know, after losing your mom, you know, being that central figure, you know, in your life and that relationship that that you built. I I would imagine you learned a lot about life and obviously very difficult things in in that loss of both of them. Uh, but but what lessons did God teach you in that because it's it's such an important formative piece of your story. Yes. Well, I mean, the to say that we were heartbroken would be an understatement because we didn't even have the preparation of illness, you know, which I know can be traumatic and painful for a child to see their parents suffer and go through a long illness. But my mother just dropped dead. You know, I, there was no warning. And so it was as if somebody just turned the lights out in our lives. I mean, I often think back to that time and, you know, if my childhood, if I was making a movie of my own life, my childhood would be in full technicolor. And then when my mother died, it's, it's as if the movie then went into black and white, you know, we were just so heartbroken. And I honestly know if we hadn't had faith to lean into, if we hadn't been people of faith, I don't know how we would have coped. I really don't know. I mean, sure, we feel the pain of death like everybody else, but as Christians and as believers, we have an understanding of the promises of Christ around this issue and the the promise of heaven and the resurrection of the body and all the things that we've been taught and believe. And so I have no doubt that one day I shall be in some form reunited with the people that I love who I have lost, you know. But at that time, it was it was really, really, a really painful. And my adolescence was also, you know, because I think a girl needs her mom. And my dad, as I say, was a great dad, but he wasn't my mom, you know. Yeah. But I think because I suffered so early, Billy, I think the things that grew in me were my ability to have empathy and the and my capacity for compassion and my, you know, I I wanted people to be kind, you know, and gentle with me. And in turn, I think I learned to be kind and gentle with others. And it's curious because you know, I've done many things in my career. I've now been an author, as you know. We met when I was a producer on the Bible series. But my big break and maybe what I was best known for was playing the angel Monica on the TV hit show Touched by an Angel. And when I first went in to read for the role of Monica, you know, they send out a little description of what it is that they're looking for for the role. And, you know, and I can't remember exactly, but it said something like, you know, needs to have a capacity for compassion, needs to, you know, be able to play empathy, <clears throat> needs to be able to hold a gentle and kind space. And I was like, wait a minute. It's almost <laughs> like God had prepared me through, you know, the experiences, the unfortunate experiences of my life, but they were the very qualities that I was going to need to step into playing an angel on TV. So, um, uh, you know, there's always a, a blessing, I guess, in everything that yeah. happens. And, and that was the blessing that came out of that pain. All right, Billy, thanks for that interview there. Always 
Interesting to talk to Roma. I know we've had her on a few times over the years, and it's great to catch up with her. Yeah, you know, she she's always got something interesting to say, right? And yeah. she's gone through she's gone through a lot. It's easy to look at somebody's story and see, oh, look, that person's famous and they've yeah. made a lot of money and you know, but then you hear the heartbreak that somebody goes through and what it's taught them and how their faith has guided them. And it's always, you know, just an incredible reminder of what people face and endure. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's no matter what financial or material blessings you might have in life, there are these human things that happen to us that transcend those material things and that everyone can relate to. And she certainly touched on a lot of those in that conversation. So appreciate you bringing it. Well, that's going to leave us on this Friday Junior edition of the podcast with time for one last thing. So the verse we've got today is Proverbs twenty five twenty eight. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. <laughs> that is, that, I love Proverbs. That is such a powerful illustration though, right? It really yeah, is. It is. And like giving ourselves and, and working on our own self-control is something that uh, is much easier said than done because it might be some area that is not so obvious to others, right? Like it might be obvious to you, like where an area that I might have self-control in another person might not have self-control in, but, um, like, like for me, it's eating snacks and drinking sodas. Like I just, you know, I do that just like, it's nothing. And I, you know, I, I should slow it down and, you know, I want to exercise self-control and stuff like that. But for, for someone else that might be easy, but for me, it's not. So, um, in whatever area it is in your life, you know, working on our self-control is, uh, is obviously obviously something that God wants us to do. So I, my prayers for all of you who are um, working on that in whatever area you are working uh, on it. That's where we're going to leave it on this edition of the Quick Start Podcast. As always, get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and in that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow. God bless. See you then.